cheaper than our producer's underage sister. Edgier than the stuff shown on late night television. Newer than Kim Kardashian's ex. Live from Orlando, it's Crazy Train Radio. I'm Larry Holmes, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. They're a knockout. Right now, so honored to have uh, the three-time former heavyweight champion of the, of the world on the phone, the Eastern Assassin, Larry Holmes. Larry, how you doing? Hey, Chris. I'm hanging in, man. How about you? Good, good. Uh, we actually were fortunate enough to meet in Atlantic City this weekend, briefly. Uh, so what took you to Atlantic City? Well, they had a meet and greet, um, and, they, and they had to fight. So I spent two days down there and meeting people, shaking people's hands. They had a black tag tournament there, and they were trying to win all the money, and I was trying to win it. So I was to the host uh, in AC, you know what I mean? Signing autographs, taking pictures with people, and you know, doing the normal thing that I usually do. Okay. Well, uh, did you enjoy your uh, stay in Atlantic City and enjoy the fight? Or? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the hotel. I enjoyed the fight with them. Um, well, Monte Carlo. That it was a Monte Carlo hotel. Oh no. Yeah, and uh, it was great. <clears throat> Uh, well, obviously, you were down there for the fight uh, before we get, get talking about your career and all. But what is the state of boxing, in your opinion, currently? I think in the lighter weight class as well. The live and the young people are fighting, I think, it's real well. And in the heavyweight division, it's a lack of heavyweight. The fighters don't want to fight no more. Well, um, can the heavyweight... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, so the interest is not really there because um, uh, they're like a heavyweight, you know. But I mean, I'm a heavyweight watcher. You know, I'm a light heavyweight watcher. I'm a cruiserweight watcher. I don't, I don't like to watch flyweight and featherweight. And, uh, you know, even though those guys fought a good fight, there's a lot of punching, a lot of hard punching for little guys. I was surprised. You see that, but one guy fought good and they fought hard, and that's probably one of the best lightweight fights that I've seen. Well, uh, as a heavy or as a heavyweight, like you mentioned, uh, do, you, do you think the heavyweight division can uh, ever make a turnaround and get the respect it used to have? I, from what I say, the sixties, the mid nineties. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think heavyweight division is dead. It's just they don't have no more Larry Holmes, no more Joe Frazier, but George Foreman, and Muhammad Ali, and Kenny Norton. I mean, you know, they don't have the Honey Shaver thing, Jerry Coons. I mean, I can go on and go on and call names out, you know. And that's the only problem that they have. They have to have these guys that want to fight, that know how to fight, and they need to be there. And they don't have that in the heavyweight division right now. At least we don't know about it. There's going to be some secrets out there that we don't know about, but until then, I think the lightweight guys 
the little guy is going to take over. Well, uh, well, let's jump into your career a little bit if we can, Larry. Uh, recently, I just heard that they are trying to uh, get a project together to honor you up in Eastern PA where you currently live uh, for a statue. What's the status of that statue? Well, the status is that we still need money. I don't know how much money we need, but we still need money. The, the one, I'm going to tell you, they was raising money. I think it was doing pretty good, but this one guy got sick. They say he came down with cancer, and that's been three years ago, and he ain't dead yet. Uh, I don't mean him no harm or anything like that, but at stage four cancer, man, I thought it would be gone. But anyway, the money disappeared. Everybody said it's five this to buy that. And so there's a couple of different people took over this statue. Now they're going to try to get it back on the road. I don't really know. I have no idea about the statue. It's just that I was on the other side of it. And if they're going to do it, I hope they hurry up and do it before it I don't be, I'm not able to see it. <laughs> I want to see what I'm alive. You gotta do it, you know? Well, will they be able to go through, uh, LarryHolmes.com to check that out? Uh, more information or? Yeah, you can, you can be able to go to LarryHolmes.com and also you can donate the money to LarryHolmes.com for the statue. And I think that's the best way for people to write a check if they're gonna write a check. LarryHolmes.com and put down in the bottom statue, so we know what it is, you know. But anybody comes into my office, uh, you know, 91 Larry Holmes Drive, uh, the money will go there because I'm taking, I'm going to take control of all the money and I'm going to handle it. I don't care what people say, I'm going to take the control and handle it because I know it will be in a safe place if I handle it. Nice. Well, obviously, besides the uh, respect you're getting there the, in your hometown, uh, in the Lehigh Valley there. Do you think, looking back at your career, that you finally have earned the respect that you deserve based on the efforts you put out there? Uh, some, some places, uh, you know, they do, in, in Las Vegas the other night, they gave me uh, a, a award, and I'm in the Boston Hall of Fame, and uh, WBA, I mean, I'm sorry, IDF gave me uh, the championship belt once again, and so, that's just to show you that uh, people are now coming back to respect me to give me my best view, to be uh, nominated as uh, one of the greatest of all time and, and being able to get my championship belt back from the, the IDF. So I think that speaks for itself. Uh, well, obviously, you uh, for people who know boxing history, understand that you had a started off as a sparring partner with both Ali and Frazier. Uh, can you talk about actually fighting Ali and then going down the line a little well, bit and ended up fighting Joe's well, son, Marvin? Well, yeah, I tell you, you know, it was the thrill of my life just to be able to say I worked with Muhammad Ali as a sparring partner. That's what the thrill. And I enjoyed that, and uh, it, was, it was great. Ali, of course, tried to beat me up a little bit, but he was not able to do that. But, you know, I learned a whole lot from him. So uh, it, it, it was a great four years of sparring. And then I never thought that I would probably get the uh, opportunity to fight him. But, you know, that came that that came mandatory that I had to fight him to be able to get out of the shadow of Muhammad Ali. So it was good. You know, I done my thing. Didn't hurt him. And I don't think I did. 
But it was it was great to say that I'm fighting Muhammad Ali. Well, uh, how about uh, further down the line when you ended up fighting uh, your other sparring partners, uh, Joe Frazier's son, Marvin, before you had... Marvin was a good guy, and, uh, you know, I watched him growing up, and he fought his way into the position to fight for the title, and uh, he did a great job of doing that. But I never thought that I would be fighting Marvin Frazier, but it became one of the mandatory fights, you know, uh, in the WBC or A or whatever it is, and I did have to fight him. And, you know, I knew what I could do. I knew that, you know, that I could get to him and didn't want to get to him and hurt him. And uh, when I fought him, you know, I had him down and whatever, and I asked the referee to stop the fight. And after about 20 punches that Martin took, they shouldn't have took, the referee stopped the fight. Well, uh, speaking of Marvin, before we uh, continue on, uh, do you think it was hard for him to come out of the shadow of being the son of a legendary fighter? Oh, it's always hard. It's always people expect more from you. Oh, it's Joe Frazier's son. Oh, you want to do this? You want to do that? Like even my son would have done it. All oh, their own son. They expect a lot, and I don't think that they should. They should expect the guy what he got, but. Um, you know, everybody hoping for people that they root for, and uh, there was nothing wrong with them doing the same thing for Marvin. Well, uh, obviously, uh, if people dig a little into your uh, history, they see that you were actually the fourth of 12 children. Then you ended up becoming a uh, young father yourself. Do you think that helped motivate mm -hmm. you to become a good fighter? Oh, no, I just think my my determination and the people saying that I was not going to be anything motivated me enough to make me push for that goal. Um, you know, because, you know, you have a lot of people doubting you and saying that you can't do certain things, and all you want to do is prove to them that you can, and that's what I did. I proved to them that I can be the heavyweight champion of the world, and that's what I became in 1978. Uh, well, obviously, for, there's been a lot in both the news and in the sports world, uh, and I know you've dealt with it firsthand uh, as far as the being segregated against uh, during your time when you were getting ready to fight Jerry Cooney. Uh, is there, what can you tell us about being a uh, black man and having, feeling like you were, had issues against you because of the color of your skin? Well, I tell you what, man. I tell you, it's always an issue. Whether you, it's an issue for the blacks and whites and everybody. Well, not not the whites, but every nationality outside the whites is probably an issue. Everybody got something that they can say about something. And you know, I took it in stride, and I didn't like the idea that they talked about that with me and Jerry Coon because half of my family's white, so they can't talk too much about it. So, but they tried to make it a big thing out of nothing. And but I know what I had to do, and I just know what he had to do. And he just wanted to go come out there and knock my head off, and you know. And I wanted to go out there and do the same thing. And before the end of the day, kind of the best man won, and that that was me. So hey, uh, and Jerry and I now we talk a lot over the phone. We see each other. We come to each other's functions and whatnot. I think Jerry's a good guy, man. You know. And I thought he was okay guy then. I mean, you know, it wasn't like it like we are now because we wanted to take each other's head off, but he was a good guy. 
but you know, it ended up. You know, it's nice to hear that that you guys actually got along. But you look at it more along the lines of business was business, and then afterwards, like you said, you guys ended up getting along. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we're not mercenaries. Fighters are not mercenaries. They just want to win the fight. They want the recognition and notoriety. <clears throat> and uh, that's what Jerry wanted, and I wanted, and I ended up being victoriously. But that didn't put Jerry back as a punk or a Trump or whatever you want to call him. But um, it, to me, still Jerry Coney. A guy that fought the heck out of me. A guy that wanted to win the title. And a guy that gave me a lot of respect, and I'll give him the same respect back. Well, obviously, we let's fast forward a few few more years going into, going into one of your retirements. You had the opportunity to fight Mike Tyson during his heyday. How bad, obviously, Mike had the title of baddest man on the planet. How bad was he, and what did you expect going into that fight, and did it change after the fight? Well, I thought I would get lucky. I knew I wasn't in the right condition to fight Mike Tyson, but I, but I thought I had enough experience to be able to get lucky. And I and I, I didn't get lucky until Mike Tyson beat me. He stopped me. When well, my hand got caught in the rope for one thing, one of the punches I couldn't throw, I wasn't in the best of shape because I wasn't given enough time to do it. But, you know, he came up victoriously. He did what he had to do. He beat me. And I'm not mad at him, but, you know, I congratulate him. I thought he was a great fighter. At that time, I think he's a, he's a better person than people give him credit for. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I love the guy. I wish him the best, whatever he may do. Well, obviously, uh, well, what are you doing nowadays? Well, I'm going to every day. Like my day is like coming into the office, see what I got to do, making the appearance, I'm trying to do, doing my nightclub here, trying to get some business to come in there. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to business, get a business. Get them well, so you're happily retired. Oh, sorry, Larry. So you're happily retired no. running your businesses? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not happy to retire, but I'm, but I'm glad I retired and I got nervous because, you know, it seems to me that I can fight for the rest of my life. But, you know, Father Time catches up with you and shows you you can't. And that's the only problem that, you know, I have probably like 99.5% of the people in the world have the problem of getting old. We don't want to get old. But, unfortunately, we have no control over that. But it, it's been a good road for me, man. I had a good ride, and I can't uh, thank God enough for letting me ride that ride. Yeah, I, what I was saying was happily retired from the fight game, but it's glad to hear you're still keeping yeah. busy. And uh, we appreciate. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, that? that's good, man. I'm, I don't mind. I don't. But fight, the fight game, I'll never be happy because that was my life, and that's what I did for thirty years, thirty-eight years. So you know, it was my life. But uh, I came out okay, and uh, I hope I can continue the rest of my life being okay. Well, Larry, we appreciate taking a few minutes to talk to us.